On today's episode of Discologist, we're sitting down with our friends Broke Royals to talk about their past, how they grew as a band during the pandemic, and their upcoming LP, Local Support, which is produced by Barty Strange. Get ready for a solid dose of behind-the-scenes rock and roll as we go in conversation with the premium rock and rollers of Washington, D.C.'s Broke Royals. This is a this is a fun little show to do because first of all I think this is the first interview we've done on the way back to uh, relevance right is that's it right. true that's right yeah 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 but also over the years both you and I have gotten to know uh, all these guys especially Philip Bass Knight in this band and uh, what a what a great bunch of dudes and now a lady. Absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was really fun to talk to them. Um, you know, we get to, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to see them around town on occasion at, at other shows and just at events. But uh, having this chat was was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They have a new album and, coming out. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and, 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 and tragically, you know, we talked, we talked a lot about the album, but we didn't really get into, uh, just how much you and I really love it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Or their other stuff like St. Luxury and their first album, Broke Royals. They're, um, for people who don't know this band, it's Philip Bassnight on vocals and guitar, Colin Cross on drums, Tymir Gore on bass, Ben Wilson on guitar, and now Rebecca Silverstein, or maybe Stein, uh, on keys, who is, uh, Philip's wife. Um, so it's just been this natural like evolution, which we talk about uh, with them. Uh, but their new album was produced by Barty Strange. And if you uh, had to describe it, would you say what pop? It's it's rock, um, rock leaning pop, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, it's right. it's really. Um, but, you know, I don't you know, you and I often talk about sort of labels being uh a little bit of a challenge. I mean, in this case, I just think it's it's really honest, emotional music, and yeah. um, and I think it rocks, and I think it's catchy, yeah. and um, yeah, and I hope I hope everyone who hears us talk to them goes out and checks out the record. They have a show coming up, I think, um, at Songbird on the fifteenth, but it may be special invite only. I know you do, but I, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out for the people. But if you if you can get on that list get on that list to go see them. Um, that's when the digital album of local support comes out. I think um, because we didn't really talk about specific songs of the album, why don't we play a track right now before uh, we get into this interview? So uh, revivalism, you think that's good? You think that's good? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. okay. Here's revivalism from uh, Brooke Royals.
you have have you seen the video for that? I have. I have. It's a delight. Mm. Yeah. There's a skate park in a part of DC uh that's over near like behind 930 Club Black Cat like that area. What is that called? This is I've been only going been gone 3 years and I don't even know what parts of DC are called. Wasn't it wasn't it the one over on 7th like in Shaw? Yes, uh Shaw. Yeah. There, yeah. there we go. Um, and yeah, they just filmed themselves skating. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Um, so right before we're going to get on with the interview now, but I, I got some pretty exciting news. We're going to be premiering a track after the interview. Oh, so it, I want you to stick around. Well, I want you to listen to the interview. But if you're just if you're just like I heard this song and I need more in my veins because the album's not out yet. Then skip to the end. We are going to be premiering the title track, Local Support. Um, so that that's kind of exciting. Yeah. But yeah. in the meantime, uh, get comfortable. This is a, this is a long one. Uh, it's about an hour long. Uh, and we're Ed and I are going to sort of chillax while this happens. While you do your thing. And yeah, uh, there's very uh, there's 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 very little me on this one because my mic uh, was <laughs> muted inadvertently for like 20 minutes. And I thought, oh, gosh, okay. I guess I'm not making any good points today or my timing is off. And then I realized no one could hear me. <laughs> <laughs> That's OK, man. We're yeah. still rusty. Uh, so here we go. Talking yes. to uh, the fantastic members of Burke Royals. They did still get it to us. I mean, like, oh, they it, they got it to us. We just lost all the shows that we'd had lined up to help promote <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> Little problem with the merch booth. We just there. lost a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I guess let's go. We're talking with uh, the Broke Royals uh, plus one now. That's kind of exciting, Rebecca. That you're in Broke Royals now. This is this is awesome. Uh, Rock and roll, baby. Our friends uh, Philip Bassnight, Colin Cross, Tamir Gore. And Ben Wilson, uh, you guys are based in like outside of D.C., in D.C., down in Williamsburg. And uh, you have the distinction of being the only band that has stayed at our house in Milwaukee <laughs> because we just moved in. We I think we literally like the week before had moved in. So it was yeah. like furniture in and Tamir, you weren't there. You were I forget where you were. I was, I was in yeah. I was uh, in Vesuvius, Virginia, everyone's favorite place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Ben, his favorite place is Vesuvius, Virginia. I fucking love Vesuvius. But yeah, it was a really good time. Uh, and then you guys were working on, started working on, I think, St. Luxury Then, uh, which came out, which is your last album in 2019. Uh, and then, you know, as you heard us just talking, a few things happened in the world. <laughs> um, you know, and when I heard St. Luxury the first time, especially when I saw the video uh, for, for uh, Bad Chemicals, you know, I was like, you, you stepped up from your like original release in 2017 and all of a sudden you're this like super professional and truly indie band. Like a lot of people talk about indie being a sound, but you guys have gotten to this point by busting your ass, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> um, so you did an interesting thing during the pandemic, uh, and it was something that I'd actually I hadn't talked with Phil about this at all. But it's like you know, great minds think alike or whatever. And you guys started working on songs kind of remotely, and started embracing the video series. One thing I know about you guys is that you love making videos. 
you, know, you document a lot that's of true. stuff. And I, and I think that's important to document, uh, like, early in your career especially, so people can come back and see, like, sort of where you come from. So when you're, like, selling out Five Serve Forum in Milwaukee, like, people can be like, oh, no, these, these are normal guys. These are normal people. Yeah. Uh, but how wh- – what was the impetus to start that besides just being, like, you can't go outside? You can't get around each other. Yeah. So, you know, I remember I remember the phone call with Philip. I was sitting in a, uh, a Trader Joe's parking lot, I think, gearing up to go in with masks and gloves on and, uh, you know, bracing myself for what was about to come. And I was talking to Philip and I said, you know, I, I we missed making music. It had been at that point. I think by the time we started it, the pandemic had really taken hold and a lot of people had gone straight to live streaming and we didn't go straight to that for a lot of reasons, but one, you know, there's a lot of geographical distance between some of us. So it wasn't an easy path. And then even so, it would have been hard, you know, figuring out bubbles and what's safe and all that. And so we knew that it, we didn't want to do a traditional live stream, but we also knew we wanted to keep creating music and we wanted to do it in a unique way. And so I just said, hey, what if we like played telephone with a song? Mm-hmm. Like what if anybody starts a song idea and it ended up just being... Phil had a, a bunch of song ideas. If anyone knows Philip, he's the most prolific writer I've ever met in my life. I think his current like demo count for the next album is in the 70s. I think he's uh, like six albums ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Literally. And, but so he would send us an idea, and we just scheduled it out. So it was like on, I don't remember the exact days, but I think it was something like every Monday I would get a song from Philip. I'd add drums to it. I'd send it on to Benji. Benji would add whatever he wanted to it, and I wouldn't ever hear it. And then he'd send it on to Tamir, and Tamir would add whatever he wanted. And then we'd send it on the secret piece of the puzzle that was so great for us, and we really miss uh, and are, are lucky to have had it at the time, is that we had our buddy Nate, who's a, a sound guy, yeah. who obviously wasn't doing a lot of sound gigs at the time. He came on and mixed them all for us live. And so then no one had heard the final version, even though Tamir had added the last few parts. He didn't know what the final mix was going to sound like because Nate would sometimes take things out or he might shift things around a little bit. And sometimes he'd even add in a part and then he'd mix it and it always sounded so much better. And it just totally changed the way we wrote. I mean, the first thing we ever did with the slide guitar, actually, that's not quite true, but we'll come back to that. But the first real thing that that we did like a a slide guitar focus on was one of those Alone Together songs. The very first song we did Alone Together. And, And just right away, I knew, okay, we can sound different than I ever thought we could. And so then it just became whatever we want it to be. And so I think it was the second song we did was Bunny Man, which uh, Phil should maybe talk about at some point. <laughs> but it just pushed, you know, it's like hard rock stuff. So we went all over. We just said, we have no need to contain this to what we might narrow in for an album. When you know you're doing all the work, legwork that goes into a full production, even though we were reco- writing and recording all these parts, we didn't have any set expectations for it. Totally shifted how we approached everything. It was just, and it was what, fun, and we just saw each other every week, which was great too. Was that the first time for you guys where you had somebody like pretty much outside giving you that type of feedback on your music? Because like bands can be insular, and especially like if you're a solo artist, it can be insular, and like feedback is good. But if you have like the four of you guys, and you, you know what you want to be, but now you're all of a sudden almost working with like an outside producer. That is like, hey, you guys can can be maybe this or this is something you didn't think of. Well, I think the interesting thing there is like Nate is kind of one of us um, in a big way. He's been in the fold for so long. So the outside producer and maybe this is what you meant was almost the audience. It was like the reaction that we were getting from people in in real time. And, um, you know, we would watch 
each other's faces as we all heard a song that we'd made that week for the first time. And that's probably the most entertaining part of it from a video standpoint. Um, You know what I mean? Like the songs were great, but it was like, should we do this as a podcast? And we're like, no, it's kind of worth it because there's this moment where we're all watching the the unveiling and people would um, type. I think we did YouTube first and then we did Facebook. And on Facebook, people were pretty quick to like type in the comments like loving this sounds like. I don't even know. We got tons of comparisons. comparisons, You never really know. Yeah. And that's the other thing is sometimes someone says something and you're like, oh, okay, well, sure. Didn't, didn't hear that. Didn't have that in mind, but I guess we do sound like, um, I don't even know. Fleetwood Mac. We got that one once and I was like, what? We can go with Dawes too. Yeah. Dawes. Yeah. yeah, But that was also fun too, because, you know, on a week by week basis, you have, like Colin said, like the freedom to try a genre that Mm. we might've we did like a sort of Santana-esque song one week. And like, I don't think we would have gone all in on that. That probably wouldn't have gone beyond the initial demo phase, which has now a, we you know, an election Santana process. Music. But, you know, Benji had like a rip and solo and it was yeah. great. That's like a very, that's a popular one among, among did, the uh, Patreon. Did you guys find out a little more days. about yourselves? Like, you know, you have these disparate influences that go into all this stuff, but you make music. You know, Brooke Royals has a very specific, someone called like indie pop, uh, whatever you want to call it, sound. But did did you personally, after knowing each other for so long, like find out more about the person by what they were bringing to those songs? Yeah, I mean, we're on what we would call a reverse sellout trajectory. We started super uh, <laughs> fancy and digital, and then now we sound really DIY yeah. and raw. So, and that helped get to get helped us get there, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, you never know. I mean, like one of the songs, um, "Don't Let Me Go," I think it's called. Yeah, and Tymir, who plays in the heaviest bands of all of us, like Tymir's in a lot of projects. But he came in with a real sort of like 1975 style guitar thing at the end that was like really cool um, and like totally pulled that song together. So you never it's you can also never guess who's been quietly waiting to do mm. a certain musical thing. Right, right. And that uh, started with Alone Together, but then it did bleed into our other, you know, our, yeah. our uh, yeah. following writing session. Yeah, because absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to piggyback off for a second because I think that that's also like really important for understanding this next record because yeah. all of our previous records had always kind of come together uh, mainly, you know, the the first stuff was really mostly Philip's ideas uh, and, you know, Colin starting to come in, add a little bit more, but a lot of it was executing on the ideas. And the second record... Uh, was the first time that, you know, it was outside of just the two of them. And then this record, uh, kind of after doing Alone Together, we kind of sat down and we were like, we want to do this record the same way that we did Alone Mm. Together. Not the same, like, telephone style, but more along the lines of, like, we want to do this record as a band. We don't just want to have a, you know, we don't want to do this record in the sense of, like, you know, kind of going off of like you know sticking to a quote-unquote uh creative vision we want to kind of throw things at the wall and see what happens and despite everyone coming from a really different place i think it's ended up making one of our like most sonically cohesive records which just kind of shows that like once you open that to everyone 
you know, it 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 really brings in something. So I also just want to say, you know, uh, shout out Fizz, uh, shout out Fizz for doing that because it's 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 hard, mm-hmm. you know. To and I remember it was definitely those early alone together's. It was kind of like it was a very much a new thing for you, and like you definitely at at first, you know, I don't think it's a, a out of line to say. Uh, you weren't entirely sold there. Uh, it was definitely a thing where you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Um, but it really, because we took that risk with Alone Together, it ended up being a part of the record that you became really, really excited about. And it was just really cool to watch that uh, transformation change um, and really go from like, I'm not sure how I feel. This is a little bit my baby to suddenly more. It's like, I really want to see what you guys bring. And it was, uh, it was really cool. It was really nice to do. Phil, Philip, you still got your own tour bus though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Green room. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. He gave yeah. me permission okay. uh, to right. talk. You know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Texted him. I texted him, you know, they don't have, um, they don't have a continental breakfast where they yeah. stay, but of course I always do have, yeah. And my rider is much He actually much longer, requests that yeah. we don't get a continental yeah. breakfast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has one. Yeah. He's like, I want you to be low, um, less yeah. than that's so, the goal. So, so Tamir, like, uh, I know you, Benji, but you didn't come up to Milwaukee and, and I want to ask you like, you know, knowing that you are playing a lot heavier projects, what about this band and and these people and this music? Like, what were you like attracted to that you're like, you know what? I think I can really do this because it's it's pretty disciplined. Like, what what the whole journey has been for them for you? Um, I mean, let me think because I mean, Broke Royals was like the first. Uh, the like outside of like my hold on let me not jumble in my words let me think about let me think before I talk <laughs> is that I joined Broke Royals after like my first band ever ended like not like just like a few months after right. and um and like since then it's just been like the most consistent thing I've been a part of like I, I am in a bunch of bands right now but like this has been the most like I guess you know put together mm-hmm. and like you know when i think of when i think of you know when i think of practicing for broke royals i think of practicing for a a, a group that has a very clear vision of what it wants to do yeah. and um and so when it came when it came time to really start working on alone together and and the and this album it was like you know it well, I I I, sh- I should say for one, it was the first. It was it was the first time I w- I was really contributing a lot more in terms of writing, mm-hmm. which was really cool, and it just gave me a whole like renewed excitement about being in the band. Um, and uh, let's hope I didn't forget what the question was. <laughs> this happens a lot, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like I've I've had some really. I, I, it dawned on me that I've been in this band now for like almost five years. Oh yeah, and like, and it and it feels like that in a really good way. Yeah, you know, I, I I've I've personally grown a lot because of this band. Um, and all right, I'm gonna do it. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know c- c- coming from playing heavier stuff to then then playing like a, okay a, a, a sort of a pop. Uh, idiot. Yeah, 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 and 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 so like I mean I've been playing in Broke Royals longer than I've been playing in those bands, mm. so like so this is your normal mode now. 
this for real like <laughs> I, I i play bass in like one heavy band and i am comfortable on bass because of what i've been doing with broke royals because yeah. because of playing shows like all the time you know because of those because of those those gosh darn bush garden sets you know <laughs> four shows a day four days four shows a freaking day Ooh, that you know that tour that i missed out on my first shows yeah. back were those those like that's was, right those oh, dude, two that's literally you like got back and like two days later we played bush gardens the first time <laughs> i saw i saw pictures and i was sweating for you like it's just like not okay <laughs> I'd be you know, eventually sweating. we'll all be replaced in the band, and uh, and Tamir will be the only one left. <laughs> yeah, it's original, it'll be like the Four Tops or uh, or the Beat Boys. Native Instruments will have an expansion for each of you. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Fizz expansion. Just play it on the keyboard. Uh, Rebecca, you were uh, you, you're later to being in the band, but you're certainly not later to being around these guys. What? Mm. And you have your own band. Um, what, what was the, uh, jump from being, you know, well, I'm doing my own thing. Philip is doing his own thing to being like, you know, I, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, for sure. I think actually Colin gets credit for that. Mm. Um, Philip and I been together many years, <laughs> married, and neither one of us had the idea to play in the same band together. It took Colin to usually a good instinct. Do I mean, to be honest. yeah, well, it's usually also good, it's yeah. also a trope yeah. and a and a yeah. bad look. So it I, was something I had, you know. I think can, yeah, it was yeah. not going to be my place. We've to all bring recognized it for that Rebecca's yeah. incredibly talented <laughs> for a long time, and I just think we reached the moment we. It was actually the moment we finished this record, and we started talking about what it would mean to play this record live. There's a lot of key, like live recorded keyboards on it that we hadn't necessarily emphasized in the same way. We mostly had just kind of like basic block chords in the background, like as a layer in our old mm. songs. And when we worked on this record, we worked with the incredible Trash Boat, and he came in and tracked some piano and some organ and all that stuff. And and when it came time to start thinking about how we're going to do this live, I said, do you think Rebecca would be open to it? Because she'd already actually been singing some background vocals on even starting on St. Luxury on that record she did a couple songs and then she's all over this record yeah. and so bringing her in just felt really natural and mm. yeah I awesome. also yeah kind of you to say um and I also really enjoyed that I do have that like previous band experience yeah. too I feel like that like I have another experience to look back on kind of like compare contrast to what we do in this group mm. Um, and it was kind of nice to like learn a lot of that stuff before coming into this group and be like, oh, okay, I, I can kind of like come in here and, um, like, especially already knowing a lot of the music sure, so sure. well. Um, and then coming in as like a, a member has felt fairly seamless, but you can ask the other. Were you, were you the, were you the one think. who said, guys, we got to get rid of the suits? <laughs> <laughs> dot 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 she's been saying that <laughs> dot, okay dot, dot. <laughs> my favorite member we of handed our, bands. The we only handed our suits down to a younger band yeah how many you'll, how many you'll find a young richmond said. upstart with a bunch of vests and ties on this summer yeah i can't yeah, passing sure. the torch I, I've been I would say benji's a real uh fashion mogul so uh it's All been right. Fun to see where his head's at with hey. trends. Oh, well, there you have it. Summer trends. <laughs> That's right. Setting them. Setting those trends. You heard it here first. They were $90. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, let's get into local support. 
this album that's coming out. You guys, after going through this whole thing, uh, work with a studio like I know Ben Green. Uh, it's a fantastic studio in Washington D.C. Ivacota, I think that's how you say it. Yep. Um, yep. A lot of bands record there. A lot of bands that are. I don't want to say more DC focused, but, uh, or even, I don't even want to say smaller, but it's sort of like the old, like Iota crowd for anybody listening in DC, mm. like we'll go there. And, and Ben was certainly a part of that. Uh, you also decided that you, you did want an outside producer, Barty strange on this. Was that from the jump or was that while you started working on it? You said, you know, we, we need to maybe like really, this outside view worked for us, so we need to get like an actual outside view. Um, I'll take I'll take a long, the long way there, um, just because <laughs> worth doing do on things. a podcast. Too hard to fit into a press yeah. release. Um, I before COVID, people will think this is not real, but I had told Colin I was like, you know, I'm going to scale back on social media, yeah. and then COVID happened, and I was like, oh. Never mind. I'm gonna turn it up three thousand percent. And um, Bartiz was just an online friend. He was just an internet friend. And one day he needed a new computer. I could help him get a discount because of where I worked at that time. Yeah. A, a friendship sparked, and um, he likes the national. I like the national. All, all good things. And so we were in like we had. We've talked about with the loan together writing process we were sort of trying a bunch of new things and i could see that he was someone who didn't adhere to conventional genre norms conventional scene norms he's also a very kind person and i felt like he would be a good mediating presence not that we like have a tendency to fight each other or anything but it, it's very helpful to have like someone that you respect who bridges a bunch of different genres, who is also pretty impartial and just going to tell you, I think it would be cool. Or like, he was like, yeah, I wouldn't put a, I wouldn't put a guitar solo in a revivalism because I don't really do that, but you guys do it if you want. And we did it and it was fine. (laughs) And so (laughs) just, just, it was not even, I mean, we really love his music and we, um, that was part of it you know it's obviously on songs like mustang and boomer he has like a really pushed guitar sound like we were going for on this record um so we knew he could do it is why i bring that up but really more it was like what if we just had you know there's a lot of podcasts about making music out there broken record rick rubin gets into his his presence in the studio and love him or hate him it doesn't seem like he he's uh riding the faders too much as he is just kind of being a chill dude and he's come out with some pretty incredible stuff from wildflowers to the johnny cash american series to you know all that all that stuff so we thought okay there must be something to this process and um, ben green is an incredible engineer and an incredible producer but he's got his hands full with the full band you know it's like a really it's a big process we recorded um as much of this album in the same room as possible I was in the vocal booth while Nate played guitar. We thought we were just going to throw those vocals away, but it ended up that we used about half of those vocals, oh, wow. maybe even more, yeah, probably uh, more. for the album because it just had the energy of me singing with the band, Colin in the room with the band, 
it was, you know, it was all there. So between Ben and Bartiz, we had someone monitoring everything, the arrangement, the, the mix. Um, and it was, it was just really nice. And he was between cycles. He was kind of coming off live forever. Nobody was touring. And, uh, January, 2021, January, 2021. And we, yeah, I was glad to see that he went back to Ivacota to, uh, do a little practicing recently. So oh, we, did he? Okay. We formed a bond, yeah. 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 But, you know, he had these these great little moments that there's dozens that we could point to, but little things like the original arrangement of revivalism doesn't have a hard stop after the first chorus. Okay. And he was like, this has to hard stop, and that line right after is so great, you got to showcase it. And we we're like, uh, I don't think it's going to work, but let's try it. And then we tried it, and we're like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. And then he actually gave us the original idea to strip back the intro to local support and like we we ended up working up the arrangement, but he was the kind of like the impetus for us to not just go with a more straight up approach, which was our original inclination is like, hey, let's just go into a normal song like we normally would. And him pushing us out of our comfort zone and just a few little areas throughout the album, I think, um, you know, it's still the album that we wrote, but it just it, kind of, as you said, it's just that outside opinion, just that uh, last little bit of. Uh, I don't know sauce to the songs, if you will. It's still very much. Sound, it still it, very much sounds like Broke Royals too, but it sounds like a, a slight evolution. Uh, you guys are always going to yeah. be drawn towards Springsteen and the Hold Steady, uh, the type of stuff. Uh, I've made the Dawes comp. Uh, this one moves a little more into Robert Ellis mode. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've heard him. I, Phil probably has because he knows me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but well, you, having just listened to. Having just listened to St. Luxury today, I mean, I think I'm having the same uh, thought process that, that Kevin is a little bit where uh, I, you know, when I heard this album, when I heard Local Support Cold, I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is such a monumental step forward for this band. This sounds so good. That moment, that moment, Colin, at the end of the first chorus of Revivalism was when I was like, OK, this is my new running record. Um, <laughs> nice. And then I and then I heard the back half and I was like, oh, no, this is just another crying record. <laughs> the first half uh, is your new running record. <laughs> yeah, right. But we so, offer all types. <laughs> thank you for uh, uh, you know many of us contain multitudes. Um, but but you know you uh, I, I'm 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 like on the fence about whether this album is like just a a continuation of what was already in Saint Luxury and these ideas are just sort of like more distilled or, and, and and more refined or if it really is a whole different vibe and I and you guys may not know that either but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. My thought right out the gate is we showed up to the first. Colin and I showed up to a studio in upstate New York for our first record, and I had sketches of the song titles. I think one of them was called All the Cheese Fries. So we were pretty far away from finished lyrics at that point were you on though? songs. And I said, okay, fool me once. you know." And I was like, I'm going to get the lyrics really tight on St. Luxury. And that's a process that continued for me between St. Luxury and... Um, local support. I really wanted to feel like I knew what every song was going in from a very early stage, not just go in with like mumbled lyrics and things like that. It's really important to me conceptually. But I think in terms of pretty much everything else about the album, how we recorded it, how we arranged it, how we whatever, like, so there's like hopefully thematic through lines. This is, again, I can't fully know it, but like before the world has heard it, before we've had like a bunch of reactions, this is kind of my my thinking to to that is like the thing that's the most consistent is 
I w- we had these these songs and and I wanted to make sure that they stood on their own and had ideas in the way that Saint Luxury kind of did as well. And and but everything, I mean, I don't know, you, the rest of everybody can maybe speak to that. Like it's I can't speak to that. Oh, <laughs> right. look at that. Look at that reference. Nice. Um I actually I I I do actually want to say something about this because um, I think that there's a little bit of that that you can feel in the record where you're like you're not quite sure if this is an evolution or a completely different uh, thing. But I can say from uh, our perspective, it's very much like almost uh, <clears throat> it's almost like you've uh, I wouldn't say like an evolution. It's more like you've just finally like peeled off the cobwebs, not the cobwebs, because I really, you know, I really enjoy going back to a. And in fact, I've kind of pushed for some older songs to come into the repertoire and stuff like that. But it very much it's like it's like having new skin at this point, because there was this there's this. And I think the best thing to do, and I always do this, is to really relate back to the live shows. Um, Our live shows to a point at the very beginning were much more, I'll say, choreographed. We we would we would work with uh, backing tracks and we would very much have like structures very set in stone and like certain things would happen at certain times. And as we've been playing more, obviously, we want to play off each other more. We start to get more. We start to find those bits and pieces. And so to me, this this record feels like us playing live. I find myself instinctively doing the things live that I was doing on the record where instead of getting it, playing the same thing that I was playing on the record and then deciding, Oh, let me throw in a little bit of flavor, do something different. I'm like, no, this is my flavor. And so it's, while there can be that sort of similar sonic identity, uh, because I think that will just be carried with us because we are who we are. You're not going to lose certain characteristics of that sonic identity. There's a real energy and a real in like a, a real feeling of what our live shows are like that has been captured better on that record than I think has ever been captured at including us sometimes when we've had live recordings. I still think that this does that a little better um, because it's it's all the fire of our live recordings. But with the sheen of uh, it feels confident in some ways that I think that, Mm. you know, there's there's a level of confidence in St. Luxury. But this feels like a very authoritative confidence, in my opinion. You know, it, it, you know, someone could big obviously probably hear it and be like, whatever. But yeah, big broke energy. <laughs> so, the, you know, I think an important piece of context here about it is that there's it's the uh, completely we approach it completely different from the start. So uh, a lot of times we're writing a fair amount of stuff in the studio, no matter what. We have the song idea, we have the song structure. Usually, uh, you know, with the first album, we had less lyrics, but most of them, and we at least had the full melodies. The last with St. Luxury, we had all the song uh, lyrics, but we were still maybe figuring out some guitar parts or some tones or things like that. When we wanted to do this record, we said from the start, I want to, we want to get that live feel. And so we went into the studio and we tracked it live as a band. It's not like we went in and I did all the drum parts and then we layered all the bass and all the guitars the way that we've done the last two albums the way that most bands do most albums. I would say most music is recorded that way. And for good reason. It's a great approach. But we've always 
had a higher energy live performance. I know that you've mentioned that, Kevin. Yeah. Like, even in a small club in Milwaukee, we're going to really lean into it. We're going to go a little bit crazy. And we've never been able to capture that live. And I think that big broke energy that uh, Ben, you know, definitely coined himself. Uh, Those it, are my words. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. So I'm going to pawn it off on you. But uh, <laughs> it was a... It, it's because we did it live and, and Phil's vocal takes, they're really raw. Like if you solo them, you hear the drums in the background, like you get that energy and it, it's just so cool. And it's so exciting for us. And then factor in that the boys wrote on this record in a very different way. And then factor in that we had Ben Green making sure that we're getting all the right tones. And, you know, Bartiz was the producer, but Ben Green is also in there saying, Hey, Colin, if you just slight, if you uh, push on that kick drum, instead of doing it on the downbeat, it's going to line up with the bass better. Like little stuff like that, that's really hard to notice when you're the one doing it. Like, I think all those little elements just put it over the top. Uh, yeah. The one thing I'll add to that too, that it is just, just interesting note, interesting flavor. We're a year out from recording it. And in that period of COVID, it was so hard to be together. It was still pre-vaccine. And there was like just this weird energy of like, we need to be together. We need to be in a room. We need to do this together. Sort of an idea we'd had years ago, like we're going to record, we're going to record live in a room together. And, uh, uh, you know, there's an, I, I don't, I don't even want to draw any conclusions from it. It's just, an, it's just an interesting special thing that it was like really important to us to all be in the same room, breathing the same air, doing the same things like for a week, just, just being a rock band in a time when that was nearly impossible which you were i was talking with you right before you went in there and that was you're like holy shit like we're all gonna be in the same room i don't even know what i don't even know what's going on like how's this gonna happen um and would you believe i had a covid scare that very same week i would, be, oh, that's I would right. believe that. oh my god would you believe i was not having a good time leading would you up to would that? you believe that uh <laughs> certain that sometimes being all in the same room breathing the same air yeah. it can still have negative consequences <laughs> um a, a technical note on the new album is you know you talked about Ben's work with the drums the drum sound on this is so huge it's it, and and for me it's the it's i have a gold standard of the the step up from fables of the reconstruction to life's rich pageant by REM where they just got somebody in there who was doing the drums and that, that that's a step up from St. Luxury to local support it is su it is the drum sound you want to have and the second yeah. I heard it, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter where this song goes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be about this because it's like, okay, they're they're here to rock, and this is good. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, it, he's just a whiz with it. I mean, I, I wish I, I, my biggest regret from that whole experience is that he had, we had a ring of snare drums that we just laid out behind me, and song to song, we would play around with each different snare. We tune it to the key of the song. Oh, wow. We would do all these crazy things, and. And I don't have a single picture of that ring of snares, but it's like my favorite thing because it's like all these beautiful bell brasses and like if you're a drummer, like super nice snares. And it was just amazing. We tested out different kick drums. We would change out different drums for different songs. We had, I think, three drum kits, four full drum kits in, this, in the room that we could pull into as we needed. It was awesome. And it, yeah, it's his space. It's his, uh, his gear that he brings to it. And then I think just taking it off of, you know, someone else's shoulders who's also trying to perform, yeah. gives you that extra like layer to just really make sure you're getting it right. Yeah, absolutely knocked it out of the park with that. Um, Philip, the St. Luxury was a concept album in many ways. 
Um, you had this whole thing. If you had, if you guys had made like a short film for the whole thing, uh, maybe you can go back and do that. Did you take that same approach to writing local support, or did you like approach each thing as just vignettes? No, it was really hard um, for me. That was like Ben was saying, like watching me kind of relinquish control over the songwriting was one thing, but like relinquishing control over the narrative was probably actually the hardest thing for me to do because I had such an idea of we've got this character, I can put them in. I think St. Luxury appears in like four songs uh, throughout the album. I could fit St. Luxury into things and it would tie back. And so like if, I don't know, it's Catcher in the Rye, then this one's Franny and Zoe. It's just like a total mishmash because I, I had this process, you know, and that not to get ahead of ourselves, but that's led to the the stuff we're not writing now. I've actually gone back to it, what I was doing on the first album because I, I I've seen a new way to combine. Um, it was really important to me to know what I wanted to say with each song, um, and like I did on Saint Luxury, and in local support, it's. It was quite literally, I, I played the band, I think I wrote 50, I, we listened to 30 songs as a band, and they whittled it down call. to 12, <laughs> and then the, from 12, we whittled it down to 10. Um, you know, like, logistically, these are the 10 that are working best live. Um, and, um, and yeah, I just, it was, it's not, um, it's, you know, it's all scenes from a time, um, and, uh, yeah, there, I remember there's like a Philip Seymour Hoffman quote where he was like telling a director like, oh, we got to shoot on film. It's going to look vintage. It's going to look great. And he was like, we're going to shoot it on the best we have and just watch in 15 years. It's going to look vintage. And it did like it just you just don't you, you, you capture a time and then you move on and it like becomes like vintage in a way that is beyond you. And that's like an important thing to like keep in mind is like you focus on the details that are important to you. And then the sort of meta narrative is not yours to write anyways. Like you can't control everything. You're going to be just a piece. So yeah, these are pretty much 10 random songs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> although the, the, the last three songs on here can't speak to that Jesus chain and local support all feel like the third act of, of something mm. bigger. Uh, they, they're just uh, sonically kind of connected um, what does that, that song and, and just the name in general mean to you guys? Local yeah. support. Yeah. So it's one of those weird cosmic things. Um, we, it was, um, local support is definitely the meatiest song. Mm -hmm. And it, I had this like chord progression that I really loved and. Kevin and Eduardo, as you guys know, like, I'm just, you know, I love Prince. And so like Purple Rain is always out there. And um, Benji and I both love Oasis. And so Champagne Supernova is always out there. These big songs that that build. And I really wasn't writing it to be like the closer on an album. I was just trying to write a song that like if I had to put it would be like um, Marvin's Room by Drake, which is basically a drunk dial. <laughs> meets purple right, ring right, right. it's like it got but <laughs> like a hilarious comparison <clears throat> i know that i know what you're thinking but like 
Yeah. Just the fact that you just compared local support to Marvin's room. Is Please like... put that like on the vinyl. Yeah. Marvin's like, for room. For fans of yeah. Marvin's yeah. room. For fans of Marvin's Check room. Check out the final track. Yeah. Dash. <laughs> seven minute guitar solo. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's... Um, so Rebecca and I got married in October and I... my Congratulations. You know, a big... Yeah, thank you. And uh, and it, but you know, a big worry for me my whole life was like, or my whole like last ten years is like, am I gonna drive people away by driving this band into the ground? And like, you know, am I gonna end up alone because I chased a dream that didn't pay out? And so this is that's like a lived yeah yeah nightmare. That whole. It's, I mean, and hey, that guy's gonna be fine, so it's all good. But like, that's like the, that's like the worst case scenario version. I'm very lucky that I had a, I've had a partner for almost as long as we've been a band that's been very super supportive and wedged her way into the band slowly but surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, but um, but yeah, that, and then okay, sorry, I'm I'm being long winded, and then. I had this vision sort of like on a loop. I think we were opening for Eli Lev one time and it was like a bad show. Not because Eli and his band played superbly. It was great. That was terrific. But I think we might have been the first of three openers at the old Songbird location. And there was not a lot. There were not a lot of people there. And I think we'd been having some sound issues and there was some feedback. And so I didn't know that there, you know, I didn't know that Birdland was going to start a label. I didn't know that we were going to work with them. I didn't know any of that. But sort of when I think about like, oh, God, if she, you know, that would have probably been a good moment for Rebecca to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. This is, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. This is not good. But she was just there like dancing in the crowd with like two other people, you know, just like not. It wasn't an ideal situation, but like we were playing local support and the which means you're like the local. Yeah. Um. Oh, hired right. guns. The, the yeah. lowest uh, paid. We, the, yeah. the it lowest wasn't paid. an Eli Lev bill. <clears throat> Eli Lev was on a bill for us when we were opening up for You're a band right. that was touring from New York. Yes, and Wander, so, yeah, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, we were local support with Eli Lev, but he and, we just had a lot of conversation with him. It was a great day. It, that part of it, it was great. Great communication, great conversation. Yeah, I mean, being local support is awesome, especially, yeah. like, if you just, like, if you're just playing in a band with some friends and you get to play on stage mm -hmm. with touring bands that's great i mean we you know for us we've always wanted to do as much as we can so that to aspire to be local support is awesome it's never exactly we've never put a, a limit on what we've aspired to i'll say it that way and so i just there was just this scene of like yeah wow this could be this could go one of two ways anyways well, so and then yeah so somebody else pick it up and that's yeah, uh, yeah that's the lyric in there at near the end when you listen to it next you know because i know everyone listening is going to go back and listen to the song local support um the lyric at the end is a it's kind of drawing attention to uh the the duality of that phrase like that we are playing local support and that you're here supporting us like your support we do this we're able to do this because yeah. of the local support we get and so that is really i think what this record is all about. And I, you know, it, that imagery I think is really great of more or less Rebecca and a couple of friends dancing and having a great time at a show that she probably loved, but you know, as a band, you're kind of like, this is a bit of a bummer for us. 
Uh, I don't even remember it. <laughs> well, that, that could um, be good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was no, just at some show. We've had so and... many wonderful shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that it's all about doing both, supporting your community, supporting right. those coming through your community and, and the support from your community. And that's ultimately what that is, whether that's literally your community or when we're in Chicago or Milwaukee, whoever's coming out to those shows as well. You know, it doesn't have to be literally just D.C. or our local sure, sure, that sure. way. Yeah. And, you know, to that end, you know, you, you have the new album coming out on, on Birdland Records. Uh, Joe, and, right. Joe and Alicia started Songbird. They were one of the few venues that really digs into supporting local acts. You know, they'll, they'll put you on a bill more often than not. Uh, and this, since they moved, uh, they've split the two places up. It used to be great to go to a show and get drunk and then go buy records. That, that was just, and then you were like, oh shit. I spent a lot of money last night, but <laughs> I have I, I have like Prince's like first album now. So, uh, but you know they're taking the next step. Um, as an outsider who lived in D.C. for ten years, I think what's wild about it to me is is when people think of the D.C. scene, that they're not thinking pop music. Even though over the past few years, a whole lot of pop music has started to bubble up, and it turns out that because of the transient nature of D.C., that's what more people want to see. Um, so you guys have become like sort of the unlikely scene heroes, but I think just by doing what you do and, and, and being friendly with everybody around and, and literally like supporting people. Like I, I, I know Phil, you like, like supporting like abs music, like you were showing up at every single event that ab put on. Um, that stuff, that type of stuff, whether he wanted, me whether to he or wanted not. you to or not, <laughs> um, but that type of stuff is, is like super important. And that, that is, I think what makes a scene. Um, and I, and again, from the outside, because I'm not there anymore, but what I'm seeing is bands sort of come around to you guys be like, this is different from us. There, there, there's no like punk inflection really in there, but we really like these guys. And it would be fun to play with them. Uh, and that, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys should be really proud of that. that that's, that's worked out. Um, yeah. Um, partially because of the way you do things. You also, though, did things a little differently where the focus for a lot of people is on these tours, whether regional or national tours. You, you haven't really done that, but like you got, uh, for the song Hire, you got an endorsement. You know, um, you've dug into the business side of it more than I've seen a lot of people do. Given how everything has sort of collapsed over the past few years, what does that look like now? Because, like, if I don't know this band, if I don't know you and I'm just hearing this, and I can see you guys, like, headlining at Turner Hall here or easily Summerfest. Like this is this is what people want. But it's not necessarily your your mode. Never has been. Like are you rethinking like maybe we start looking into being that typical band where our success is, is determined on like how hard we tour. Um I no I don't I mean to that specifically no. I mean we the song revivalism was about that though. I mean starting over we had you know, we're, we're regional, but like, luckily as a Virginia, D.C. band, regional means Maryland, Virginia, D.C. And I don't just mean like 
the close you know parts that can commute into dc i, I, mean, I sometimes regional means like new jersey and yeah, yeah new jersey and, new york yeah, you know it's 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 a it's I think one of the sorry to cut you off, Philip, but no, no, I think no. that it's uh it's it's one of the interesting things about being uh located in Virginia is like a lot of people, you know, kind of write it off as this sort of like, you know, as a bit of a hole in the wall state, you know, but like there's a lot you are n- no more than like four and a half hours in a car ride away from something insane at the most. Yeah. And it's usually <laughs> two hours a maximum. Like there's so much uh, room there and there's a lot. So there's that sort of like connectedness to the, you know, to that area that we have. And so it, I, I just I, I'm just kind of bouncing off. I think it's very interesting that you're like, you know, you're like, oh, it, it's it's sort of like, you know, like, you know, it's like always like sort of comes out as like a local thing and it's like that's true and that's crazy because we are going up to new york we are you know doing that stuff and yet still it it feels like home in a way so i think that it's it sort of to reframe it i think that we kind of look at it in a very different way i think that we kind of approach what we're doing like we definitely like i mean we love to play shows um but especially as like you know touring hard uh is really hard right now it's really difficult right now um not to throw all of us under the bus um but uh we did a practice and uh, four-fifths of us got covid uh and so (laughs) from practicing that's my voice we're talking about practice yeah that then that's that's why i keep on this um because i'm i'm still you know i'm i mean i'm out of it but like i'm I'm still feeling some stuff and so like you know that that sort of thing like that framing that we have there of you know, trying to do that, like push really hard thing. We're all, I think, kind of at this point where it's like, we don't really want to, we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to push ourselves. We don't want to put anybody in a rough situation, Yeah. but we still want to be able to support what we do and what we love. And I think that we found a really nice balance of being able to be both a hometown hero and go around and see places and still have that connection to where we are. And we still know where our roots are. Um, You know, all of us have jobs outside of this uh, and we still have that groundedness and that reality there. Um, And then we are. So that means that when we go out and we do things and we do stretch ourselves a little more, it turns it into something even bigger and more exciting than it would be if we were hitting that festival festival circuit. Right, like right. I mean I love seeing those bands on the festival circuit but there's also no gravity to it at a certain point. You don't you're not afraid. Oh god, when am I going to see King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard next? They're going to keep touring. Yeah. They're go- that's their thing. <laughs> they're going to keep uh, you know, they're just they're just going to push it and that's so great for them, but there's a sense of urgency that um when we do a thing where it's like it's not so rare that people don't care, but it's there's a nice space between it where people are like, oh, thank God, it's been a while. I want to go do that. And yeah. I think that's a thing that we've really, uh, you know, done. so sorry if I totally made you lose your thought there, Philip. I just kind of started talking and then I just diaried well, all over t- it. No, no, that's no, it's all it's all relevant. And the only thing I'd add is like um, uh, we were very, especially our, our last first two albums are um a fun time for the family. And uh, so our, we had a real bread and butter with um, uh, 
state and county fairs. And right. that yeah. all went away overnight. And th- that was a lot of money for us. And not to lick our wounds, but it was a real, like, you know, reset of like, oh, how are we going to pay for any of this? How are we going to do any of this? Like, we had to, it, it just, it, it was the first thing to go in government budgets. And it's still not come back a lot of times. And not only that, but all the contacts that we had have moved on because those were jobs that yeah. evaporated. So again, I'm not I'm not here to complain, and we've had some great stuff come back. Um, catch us at Bush Gardens this summer, but uh, we we had a lot of st- we were like playing regularly at gigs that we didn't have to promote and that were paying us really well, and we got to be in front of a brand new set of you know five hundred thousand couple thousand people in some 500, instances 500 to a thousand not 500,000 <laughs> 500 to 500,000 so yeah yeah so, um, so to that end, somewhere in yeah. to, to that end yeah. though how do you convince people coming out of this that like that's mm. could be a viable path like you said you're playing a bunch of gigs at bush gardens that's like for a lot of people in a band that's not going to be the obvious like gig but like you said you actually get paid and you're going to get paid yeah. more than being like local support. <laughs> you know, you know, I think everything in life is a, is a balance to some extent. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's figuring out what do we want to do and what do we get like excited about, get energy from. And I think that's to some extent also to what Ben is saying is like, if we do it all the time, we get kind of burned out on it. And also, you know, we burn out our audiences to some extent, but also we get energy from doing certain things. And, yeah. And balancing that. And then what does this allow us to do over here? And and so we love playing Bush Gardens for a lot of reasons. We love doing all those gigs for a lot of reasons. Um, and we love doing local shows and we love doing all that. But ultimately, I think that we're pretty clear as a band that what we really love is music and writing music and recording music. Um, and so it's kind of this balance for us. And, and I think we're still finding a rhythm to be honest with you on, on it, Kevin, but yeah, uh, it, it's figuring out what allows us to do more of what we want to do. And then also being okay with maybe not doing some things that are great opportunities. If it's doesn't align with what we as a, a group value and want to do. I, I, I'd love to say that we will tour the world. I think if we ever have a great opportunity to tour the world, we will. But I also know that that's not necessarily like our definition of what, success needs to be for us to feel right. fulfilled in what we're doing but spoon if you're listening please take us on tour please take us on tour the whole steady we love you know we'll take we'll, we'll we'll we love festivals uh not not uh take back everything i said about the festival circuit <laughs> summer and, fest man. we'll tour the whole thing fest. you know summer yeah. fest uh, put you, um uh, king gizzard please call me um so so to that end like what does ultimately you, you have a great album you're a great live band what does success uh, for local support mean to you guys? What is it selling out the initial pressing and then getting it repressed? Is it playing a few shows? Is it like getting you to another plateau? What 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 will be the end game of like where you're you're like, yeah, we did the thing and we're super happy about it? I mean, we're we're very ambitious. We want to do as much as we can, but being friends with Barty Strange is a humbling mm-hmm. experience on a daily basis because you watch someone that you are friends with have all their dreams come true. And you it's and I genuinely mean it. It's like I'm so happy for him and I we want the world for him, but it's like when those things don't happen for us, it's also like you just kind of remind yourself, "No, we made a great album yeah. and we did that we we accomplished the benchmarks that we wanted to. We're playing um 
we are playing shows and more shows are coming in and we're turning down shows at this point. I mean, we're not like turning down a lot of shows, but like it's fun to be, you know, once you once you're back out in the world, there's a level of spontaneity that you just can't know. We did all the things that we wanted to do. We're not trying to be um delusional is not the right word, but like you just want to be grateful instead of put instead of constantly focusing on the things you you want, focus on the things that you did and the things you can be grateful for. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not like great at this. This is like what all of our songs are about. Um, <laughs> it's about being in a band We're and how projecting hard it is. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How hard it is and trying to be grateful. And like, and it's so it, it's like, um, the, now it's kind of the fun part. We don't know how people are going to react. Um, we're so grateful that you guys like it and you wanted to talk to yeah. us about it and we're well, so grateful that show invitations are coming in well, and, and stuff. So. I'll, I'll tell you something, and Ed can certainly vouch for this. You can too, Phil, and, and probably you guys who know me a little can. Like, I, I'm generally not the most positive person. I'm not the most super positive <laughs> person. And, you know, it's nice to have people like you or Water Around or, or you guys, and you guys' music, where it is. And you can just put it on, and instead of, like, thinking about essentially like what what i would critique what i don't like about this just being like oh this is this is actually this feels good this feels really good um and you know i think records like that are a lot of what people need now not not a a show off of your talent like you did something so clever or anything just an honest discussion with your audience say what do you like you like feeling good. Well, here's something that we hope will make you feel good. Yeah. And honestly, totally. Kevin, I think that's like exactly what we hope for this record. I can't speak for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, we, I think at the longer we've been doing this, the more we're in it, the more records we put out, the more songs we write, the more we realize like this isn't success for us is just continuing to get to do it yeah. and yes. get, and get to share our music. And I'm just, I'm really excited for this record to be out because I think to what everybody said on this call, like it's a showcase. It's, I feel like for the first time we really get to showcase what this band is capable of. We really get to show what Ben can do, what Tymere can do. Like those elements are really brought out in a way that we've never been able to do that before. And it shows a, a much rawer version of us that feels, I don't think there was anything disingenuous about the earlier versions, but I think this is just more raw and more real. And I think that, getting for getting that to be people's first experience for us or like when they hear us is really exciting for me and then we just you know full disclosure philip's six or seven albums ahead of us already right yeah. now in his songwriting and so we're already demoing our next rem influence record uh, so yeah you know, kevin be excited oh, but that is exciting. it's it's yeah yeah it's uh it, it's really cool it's, and so not that we put the cart before the horse or we don't value this record but we just are ready we know that this record doesn't define our success. In a mm -hmm. lot of ways, I feel like this is going to be a starting point of a very mm -hmm. different trajectory for us. Uh, but what that actually means, like metric-wise, really hard to quantify. And, and a I also want to yeah. say that um, I think that uh, we've already had a successful record because we have a record that all of us love. And I think that that's really how I'm measuring success mm -hmm. for this record. I could give a toss about, uh, you know, if, if Pitchfork decides to review it and gives it a two, hey, cool. So they gave that to the Mars Volta. So like, I'll, I'll take, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, that's the thing or it's like, I don't, I don't care. I'm damn proud of what we made. I'm really, I, it's a record that 
I uh, my biggest complaint about the record is that it hasn't come out at the time of recording and I can't go and tell people to stream my record. And yeah. so to me, that's what success looks like. Success doesn't I don't I don't give a toss. I don't give a, a F you. Uh, <laughs> um, like it just it just doesn't matter because I'm happy and I'm proud and I'm I'm ready to just get right back into it. And so it's it's all ready for all I I I mean, the band won't be happy if it gets six streams, but if it gets six streams, you know, like, uh, cool. I I love it. Less, I think it's less streams than are on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Some people just, one person listens and stops halfway. No, yeah. but like straight up, like, it's like, that's what matters to me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so that's that's more valuable than whatever happens afterwards. Well, it, it has been, uh, it's been wonderful to talk with you guys. It's been, it's been really fun to get to know you guys over the past few years and and see how this keeps on developing um i can't wait to see rebecca when you're in on the next album like what that's gonna bring uh and just ed and i have said this a lot about a record is just that it's just a record of a snapshot in time of who you are and if you put on any of your records you can see up to there and then local support though is is really like a plateau, but leading to something else. You know, you can see you guys, it's really, definitely... you can feel that you guys really are happy with what you did and comfortable with all these things that you were like working for. And you're like, Oh yeah, we nailed it. Well, that's that, that's the authoritative quality that, that Benji spoke to earlier, yeah. I think. And that's, and that comes through in the songwriting. These are, these are really kind songs, even the big feeling songs that are, that like mm-hmm. hold a lot of, you know, darkness and, and uh, fear or whatever are still generous and, and kind songs. And that's really difficult to do. And, and, and where that all kind of points to for me is just how, how forward looking the album feels as a result of that. Because, you know, Kevin Phillip and I have talked a lot about music that we turned to during the pandemic that was soothing. And it was music about telling you that things are okay, that it's okay to be where you are. It's okay to sort of be going through right albums that hold space for you. And this is the first record in a while that i've heard and and i'm like i feel i feel pulled to move forward somehow like i want to i wanted this album makes me want to get out there and see see what's what's been out there for all this time right so um yeah Mm. that makes me really happy good that's yeah Yeah. that means a lot um one one final question before we go um this is for philip um did you put the vocoder on there to hurt me <laughs> I mean, wasn't it an intentional coming. choice in the studio? You're like, I, I want to, uh, uh, Kevin. Just... We're gonna take this song <laughs> and we're go- this this rock opera, yep. and we're gonna put vocoder on it. Uh, no, I the wonder vo- what Kevin would think about the version without the vocoder. You know, yeah. I feel like we all listen to it so much both huh. ways. There's a um, it grows on you. There's a little it's thing my though. Part of the record. Yeah, there's a little thing on local support where it goes from being really processed to by the end of the song, there's actually no vocal on the vocals. So it's going somewhere. Um, And that was very intentional and very, you know, sort of dropping the veneer. It's cool, too, because you don't notice it. It's a subtle shift where the vocoder and the tune, it's like a hard tune vocal. And that starts a song. Then about halfway into like that first half, that song really is kind of three parts. And that first third, you start to notice that other harmonies come in and are replacing mm-hmm. the vocoder and the t- hard tuning on the vocal falls off and other elements come in. And then by the end of that first uh, part, the first of the three parts, it's just a full band again. 
and then it hard stops, and then it's a, a hard rock song. And, and now they're, 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 they're going to notice. Solos. And, and I love that trick in, like, in, in composition or anything, where it's like you can be doing the same thing. We just slowly shift it to some other instrument or a bunch of other instruments. It's like it's just it works like every single time. So I was just Kevin, say, what though, I'm like, you, you have the screen name Bongy Bear right now. And you're on this for that. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know what you're doing. I also got to shout out Eduardo, who's is more like loco support. Am I right? Yeah. Timir has changed his like six times. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Rebecca? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, Kevin, it sounds like you want us to put vocoder on everything we do. From you know what? I want everybody to put vocoder on that. everything. The yeah. more vocoder, the yeah, more auto tune, the happier I am. In fact, I'm doing a remix, yeah. uh, breaking news here, oh, of, of the Wilco album, Cruel Country. It's all vocoder. So they, okay. they contracted me out, and it's coming out sometime before the album actually comes out. I don't know. That's one of the no – notes. They're going to throw that in in that like uh, reissue uh, where they had like 40 vinyl in it. They're just yeah. going to throw that in next The one. 700 bonus track copy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, see, that's what that's – what, instead of making another album, just sit on local support for like, I don't know, two years, and then put out the deluxe version with these six albums ahead. And just say their outtakes. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's hilarious. Just cannibalize yourself yep. yeah, by putting exactly. all the new. Yeah. Uh, no, I love it. This is the way of the future. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out, guys. And local support is out on July fifteenth, I believe. Yes, digitally. Yes. yes. And then in October for the vinyl, but you can and should pre-order the vinyl because there's what? How many copies? Three hundred. Three hundred copies. Yeah. 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 It's gorgeous blue vinyl. It's a beautiful blue. Yeah. Uh, limited supplies. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll take a quick Thanks for break. having us. We'll take a quick break. And then Ed and I will be back to finish up the show. Okay. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed that chat as much as we did. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of laughter. Um, they're a, you know, um, they're a really sharp group of people. They just, they just, the jokes really come, come quick. So, uh, kudos, I, kudos to them. Yeah. I appreciate that they did not mind my, uh, my suits joke. <laughs> like, I hope that Philip is not, or, or, or Colin is not like just secretly like, I'm going to kill Kevin next time I see him. <laughs> um, but for everybody who don't know, they used to wear suits. Um, it was a, it was spiffy. It really, I mean, yeah. a little legit. It was dapper. just like, oh, that is a dapper unit. And, uh, and it worked for them. But now they're not. Um, now they're into their indie rock, more indie rock phase. Uh, personalities, almost like the monkeys or the Beatles, right? <laughs> Everybody's their own different thing. Uh, but, uh, I promised up front that we were going to play a song. So that's what we're going to go out on. Um, it's a good one. This is a, this is a big, is, big feeling song. It is such a good, you know, one thing I love about when we were talking about this song a little is that Philip and Benji were unafraid to just say, we like Oasis. We like Champagne Supernova. <laughs> I think people miss that. I think, or miss out on doing that yeah. and do themselves a disservice when, you know, if you love music like that and you can make music like that, give it a fucking shot. <laughs> like, 
And uh, sometimes it turns out uh, not so good. But in the case of them with the uh, title track for local support, uh, it turned out fantastic. So we're going to push play on that. You guys uh, enjoyed that. And then we'll be back in, uh, what, like two weeks? We got a special one coming up. Oh, we're doing a live one. We did. We are. We are. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. because because I'm getting old. But uh, (laughs) we'll tell you more about that. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed talking to Brooke Royals. And here is the title track of their upcoming album out July 15th digitally. And in October on Wax, you can order it, though, from Birdland Records. Uh, Here's local support. Before we have this kid. I guess you don't live it. Cause he left you alone. Second chance now, don't hold it against me. Life we were living, I'm living alone. We swore we'd stay broke and stay hungry, but you had to go. Dance through the floor I'm in the band 